Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Think you know fantasy basketball? You can win money with FanDuel tonight and all through the NBA playoffs. Draft your fantasy basketball team for tonight's playoff action. It's quick and easy, and you could win huge cash prizes. Sign up for FanDuel now using promo code LINEUPS and get a $5 bonus with your first deposit. Just visit FanDuel.com or download the FanDuel app. Then, drop your NBA playoff team and play for cash. Again, make sure to use the promo code LINEUPS when signing up. Do it now so you can win on the games tonight. First Cast, episode 545. My name is Paul Garcia and I am the host of this First Cast. Join me for this episode is Project Spurs' Michael DeLeon. Mike, how you doing, man? It's a good, man. It's the off-season, so it's kind of the doldrums of the summer for us until things get a little busier later in this off-season, so I'm kind of enjoying this little break in the action. Yeah, I mean, you you, you hit the you know the nail on the head right there, which is, um, you know, it's the doldrums. It's There's nothing going on with the Spurs. You know, me and you talk about this through, like, text messages and emails and stuff, and and it's really a dead period for the Spurs. There's, there's no news coming out about the players, the team. Um, you know, as far as uh, the only thing that's kind of going on is just them working out draft prospects, which which that will start to, you know, as the draft does get closer in a few weeks, that will definitely start to heat up in terms of, like, rumors that they can try to make a trade with those picks, those kind of things. But for now, I mean, it's been really, really quiet. I mean, uh, just kind of just watching the NBA Finals is what I've been doing as far as keeping up with basketball. Uh, but, Mike, I do want to go through a few things, though, uh, in this episode. We're going to go through three big topics. Um, the first one, talking about a piece that I just wrote called the, the extension options for the Spurs and DeMar DeRozan. Because there has been a little bit of trade rumors regarding that that piece, um, I mean, that, that, that option for the Spurs. Then we'll talk about how the Spurs missed um, the none of their players got selected for all NBA teams and uh, all, all defensive teams. And then lastly, I'm reading a book by Kirk Goldsberry called um, Sprawl Ball. It's, it's a really good book that I'm really enjoying. And it, it, I just want to talk to you about, about the math, about the Spurs, about their shot selection and how, how it really doesn't match where, where basketball is headed in 2019. So let's begin, Mike, with the, the, this, uh, the, the extension options for DeMar DeRozan. Uh, last week, I had written a piece called The Extension Options for the, for the Spurs and DeMar DeRozan. And now that piece was kind of piggybacking off of a piece that Bobby Marks had wrote a few weeks before, just kind of giving the details of uh, the Spurs salary situation this summer. So here's the kind of nuts and bolts of that, if, if you didn't read the piece. Um, starting on July 6th, the Spurs will have the option of offering DeMar a four-year, $149 million extension, which will take him up to the age of 34. Now, why would they do this? Because it gets him signed at, um, you know, back on the team, but at a, at, a, at a market value below what he could earn next summer in free agency. So what happens if he doesn't sign this extension? Well, then next year he can decline his player option, become an unrestricted free agent, and he can basically leave the Spurs for nothing and leave them without anything. And if he does that, well, then he can look to try to get a match with another team for four years, $175 million. So it's, it's not um, key if the Spurs would offer him the max amount. 
uh, as a free agent next year or even if another team would. But again, there's that option. And with a very, very weak free agent class, there's not a lot of good free agents in 2020. I don't think the Spurs want to take that risk. So, so that's kind of what the, what the piece is about. And, and in my piece, I kind of just give the reasons why DeRozan would do it, why he wouldn't, why the Spurs would, they wouldn't. Now, because of that piece and, and that, that kind of um, situation, there has been some trade rumors. Uh, Bobby Marks of ESPN and also Brian Windhorst have already, already kind of thrown DeMar's name into that Lakers drama in the event that the Lakers miss out on um, on getting you know a, a star free agent, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, blah, blah, blah. If the Lakers strike out in free agency, well, then they're saying that they should look at, at the trade market to get LeBron James a co-star. And, you know, Chris Paul's kind of been linked there now most recently. But DeMar's name was thrown in there, too, because they're basically saying that if the Spurs and DeRozan don't come to an extension agreement, um, then that leaves open the door of the Spurs losing him for nothing next summer. So so what do you think about that rumor about the, the Lakers possibly uh, calling the Spurs in the event that they strike out of free agency and DeMar doesn't sign the extension? Yeah, I mean, that, that front office seems like it's like in all kinds of turmoil right now. So I, I think, honestly, they would probably take those chances. To me, it does make a lot of sense because – I feel like DeMar does well with the ball in his hands, and as you see by his assist numbers this year. And with LeBron's teams, he likes having the ball in his hands. He likes being the kind of distributor, deciding to go one-on-one, whatever he does. And so that, to me, just kind of doesn't work well together or mesh well together. So I don't know how that would work out, but it's one of those things that's a judgment call, I think, in, in the end. It's like, are you going to get somebody that you know that will be a solid player, and are you really wanting to cut that much salary if is that, is that the reason you know kind of behind it but you know from what I'm seeing I'm just like you have a player who played his, his first full year at the Spurs who we know it doesn't you know obviously it takes some, some time for them to get really accustomed and did pretty well it's kind of like I don't know if you want to like give up on that so quickly yeah and, and one of the things that that's a real key attribute of DeRozan that doesn't get talked about you know we, we talk about how his, his his shot profile isn't very good that the mid-range jumpers um his defense isn't very good but one of the things that's very underrated that I was even reading in this book Sprawball is the fact that he's one of the one of the better players in the league DeRozan creating three-point assists and that's something that that's a that's a skill that a lot of players that except for the superstars don't have in their arsenal so if you do trade DeRozan if you're the Spurs you, you immediately lose that skill he's their best shot creator uh, in terms of breaking down a defense and getting all of his, his three-point guys, um, those kind of shots. Now, again, I, I'm with you where I think that if you're the Spurs, you, you definitely want to try to get DeRozan back um, you know, on a contract right now, an extension that's that's below market uh, at max value for next year. So I think that's the best option. But if it doesn't work out, well, then I think you do need, they, maybe they do need to explore their options. And, and, and like you mentioned, the basketball fit for the Lakers isn't that good for – with DeRozan and LeBron, but I feel like the Lakers are that one desperate team who needs to make yeah. a splash, and so they would do it. Who knows if they give up the fourth pick? Who knows if they give up, you know, several of their young guys like Lonzo, um, Ingram, Kuzma, you know, Josh Hart. What are those? A package of the different players or picks. So, so there, there's that that discussion. Watch. So, so I, you know, like I've written before, um, it's kind of just keeping your eyes on July 6th. If, if the Spurs and DeRozan, if we don't hear anything coming out about them agreeing to an extension option. Uh, then maybe that's that's a possibility that maybe you will start start hearing um, DeRozan's name and some trade rumors, whether it's with the Lakers or, or with other teams that strike out in free agency. All right, Mike, uh, let's move on to our second topic, and that's the All-NBA teams. Um, let's first begin with All-NBA. Uh, so none of the Spurs players got selected, um, you know, for the first, second, or third team. DeMar DeRozan really wasn't considered as a guard. He only got three third-place votes. So, so he really, you know, in the terms of the eyes of NBA media, they didn't see him as an All-NBA-worthy player this year. LaMarcus Aldridge, though, had, had a case, though. He was very close. So LaMarcus got two second-place votes and 11-13 votes, and he was, the, he was the next forward in line to be selected 
had LeBron James and Blake Griffin um, not get gotten selected. So, so that's kind of my initial question. Do you think that LA should have gotten a spot in over LeBron or, or Blake? You know, LeBron was out for such a long time and long stretch. It's kind of that's always hard, but I kind of figured he was going to get it. But I mean, th- I guess the biggest issue I have is Blake Griffin. But then, if that's the case, then can you make a case for uh, Lamarcus over Carl Anthony Towns or, or a player, another player like that? Yeah, I mean Anthony Davis, even though you know he didn't play a lot towards the end of the season. That's when it becomes harder. But I, I felt like of the two, Lamarcus seemed like he had the. I don't know. If, I don't want to say more deserving, but he just seemed like what he did was kind of. If anybody was going to make it, I thought it him. But again, not surprised that he didn't. Yeah, you know, I, I looked at the stats, and, and you know, LeBron obviously has the best stats of those three, but he had the worst team. He had, you know, Lakers went thirty-seven forty-five. You, you're right. He he only played fifty-five games. He missed a huge chunk of the games. Uh, there was some media who were pretty critical of him. You know, a guy like that I listen to frequently is Bill Simmons. And he basically said, you know, I didn't vote for LeBron because of not only the fact that he didn't play, you know, the, the whole season, the fact that his team was bad, but also just the drama that he brought off the court, you know, with being part of clutch sports and them yeah. stirring up the whole Anthony Davis controversy this season. He kind of put some of that on LeBron and, and how the guys, just, you know, the teammates just never felt like LeBron was, you know, had their back with that, with them being all being in trade rumors. So, so I feel like there was definitely a spot there maybe for LeBron. I think the part that hurt LaMarcus, though, was the fact that he did have DeRozan on his team, where, like, you look at DeRozan's stats, and then you look at who was the second-best Laker and who's the second-best Piston, mm. and DeRozan's obviously the best player. So I really feel that because LaMarcus had had a, had a had not a, not an all-star, not a all-NBA player teammate, he did have one of the one of the better players uh, in the league in terms of uh, just a, a really good player now that what, is what DeRozan is at, the, at this stage of his career. So I feel like that was something that, that hurt him. Did you agree with that or not? No, I mean, now, now that you bring up that point, I hadn't thought of that point before. Yeah, you're right. I mean, when you start looking at other players from other teams that could make it alongside some of the top players, I mean, that that's very close. I mean, it, it's, it would be hard to say, you know, which one is the better player. I mean, obviously, LaMarcus made the all-star and, and DeMar didn't, but... Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, that could definitely hurt. Yeah. So now let's move on to all defensive teams. Um, you know, there's only two teams here. Uh, I'm just going to talk about the guards. So in first team, it was Marcus Smart and Eric Bledsoe. On the second team, it was Drew Holiday and Clay Thompson. Now the only Spur who got some votes for this award, um, you know, but he didn't get selected was Derek White. So Derek got four first place votes uh, from from some media people, and he also got seven second place votes. So again, he didn't make it. Um, however, one, one thing that really, ha- um, you know, re- really hurt Derek's case was the fact that he was injured for 15 games this year. Uh, he only played in 70, 67 games. And then when you look at his game logs, if you remember, you know, he came out pretty strong in November when he first came back from the injury, but then he lost, you know, coach pop lost some confidence in him and he kind of started benching him and only gave him like you know 10 minutes, 15 minutes a night. But then, you know, as January came up to the end of the season, he started getting the, you know, those 20 plus minutes each night. So, um, you know, my question to you is, had Derek played the whole season, do you think he might have had a chance of getting in over Smart, Bledsoe, Holiday, or Clay? I, I guess the hardest thing there is that you're dealing with, with players and names that everybody knows where Derek White, people just started becoming aware of who he was this year. But if you look at what he did out there, I mean, he was, honestly, you could probably put him up there if he's playing full time uh, alongside those guys because of, of the things he did. I mean, not just... Um, you know, being able to defend him, but also getting uh, block shots and things like that. But again, it was one of those things I felt like because of the name recognition thing that I think you'd get it, and because of the time he played, that was also going to be in those up and down. I think a lot of people took a lot away from that Houston game against um, 
Harden, even though it wasn't really all his fault. You know, <laughs> yeah, just, 63. Yeah, but I think, you know, anybody that saw that immediately wanted to blame Derek because of that. So, again, it's another situation where I wasn't surprised it happened. I think eventually he's going to get there, though. Yeah, and, um, you know, uh, one thing also I wanted to say was that, like, you know, I know, I know DeJounte got made that award last year. He was the second-team All-NBA defender. But the Spurs had a top ten defense at that point. Yeah. You know, I think that's also something that the Spurs were consistently this year between twentieth and thirtieth. You know, all year in terms of the regular season, their defense wasn't very good. Playoffs was a lot better, but but the regular season. So I think that also hurt Derek's case. And, and it obviously, I even thought maybe Lamarcus should have got some considerations, but you know, obviously the NBA um, community didn't think that in terms of the media. So uh, so that's kind of you know, the Spurs basically missed out on all of the main awards. You know, Lottie Walker the fourth definitely wasn't going to, or Shemezi Matthew. Definitely weren't going to sniff any kind of um, all, all rookie team honors. They didn't really play. They were spent most of their season in Austin. All right, Mike. Uh, the last topic I want to go through is just talking about uh, their, their Spurs' shot selection this year and, and just kind of with this team and of how they're built. Um, so, like I mentioned, I mean, I've been reading this book, Sprawl Ball, and it basically talks about um, you know just how much the, the league has changed in terms of, of going from from a very post up um, interior scoring league up to what we see today, which is the team, teams that are shooting threes more often, um, getting to the free throw line, and mainly scoring at the rim. And, you know, the, 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 the thing that's tough for the Spurs is the fact that they have two guys that just still play that very retroactive, you know, that very retro type of style, that dinosaur style, I like to call it, in LaMarcus, who likes to post up, who likes to shoot mid-range pick-and-pop jumpers. And then you have DeMar, who, like you mentioned earlier, you know, he's, he has this great underrated skill of getting teammates open threes, but when he's trying to score, he's taking all of his shots, mainly from the mid-range, unless he's, unless he's trying to get to the free throw line or, or the paint. So... So, so one of the things that, that Kurt Goldsberry does in this book that I really like is he really um, talks about your points per shot. He has these really cool, colorful graphics that show these kind of things. And, you know, it's, historically in his data, the NBA, you know, when you shoot mid-range jumpers, your, your chance of making is, is 0.85 points per um, made shot from a mid-range shot. And sure enough, that kind of aligns with what the Spurs are getting. So if you're not getting more than one point per shot that you're shooting, it's not mathematically, it's just not a good shot. And so you look at the Spurs, you look at DeMar, who took the most short mid-range shots between 4 and 14 feet. He made, in the regular season, 0.90 points per shot. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, 36% of his shots came from the mid-range of, uh, within 4 to 14 feet, 0.92 points per shot. Rudy Gay, 30% of his shots came from there, 0.94. So again, all these shots that these guys are taking from mid-range, none of these shots are over a point per possession, um, per point per shot, should I say. It, it stuck that same way with the long mid-range. And then you look at their threes, and, you know, the two guys, the Spurs' just go-to guys, LaMarcus and DeMar, only 3% of their shots in the regular season came from three. They didn't shoot very well. In the playoffs, Aldridge at least increased a little bit. 8% of his shots came from the three, and DeMar's went even lower, just 1% of his shots. So so in terms of just the math, what, what do you think about that, the fact that your two go-to guys for the Spurs are, are playing this, this, this very non-efficient style of basketball? You know, it's funny that you brought those numbers up because I had I would not have you know a lot of times it's funny because mid range basketball mid range shooting has has been like a hot topic on like NBA Twitter over like the last year or so, and I've yeah. seen uh, Kirk and and some of his tweets and him talking about it as well and and but I had never seen kind of the numbers behind it and, and I guess like whatever the points for uh, shots and that's kind of that's just kind of crazy but at the same time it's one of those things where you kind of have to use the personnel that you have and. Obviously, Demar's yeah. not going to put up a whole bunch of threes, and then I mean, what would his his figure be on per three point shot? I mean, it'd probably be lower than they are on on shorter mid range shots. So it's just one of those things. Where I think you just have to use what you have. Um, but it kind of it kind of just shows you exactly where things are. 
I mean, 10 years ago, we're starting to see regularly in games, guys shooting from like 25, 30 feet now. And uh, yeah. look at Dame and, and Steph and some of the others. That would not even be that. That that was like keeping up a, a shot, you know, like at the buzzer type of thing. Um, you never really saw that as an actual uh, attempted shot, like a serious shot. Now we're seeing that. So it just kind of makes sense that that's the way everything has gone. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, you just look at last night's game, you know, the, you and I recording this on a, uh, what is today, a Friday? Friday? Yeah, today's a Friday. So game one of the finals was, was Thursday night. And you look at the points from the Warriors and the Raptors. Each team scored over 36 points from three. Each team only scored 12 points from mid-range. In the playoffs this year when the Spurs lost to Denver, they were getting almost 20 points from mid-range. So it just shows you, you know, had the Spurs even made it this far, obviously they did it. They would they would have had a tough time right now playing against the Raptors or, you know, against oh, the yeah. Warriors. Just that their shot profiles is just not built for this type of basketball in 2019. Another shot I want to talk about is uh, LaMarcus's left block post-up range. So in the book, Kirk has an area called Area 31, and that's basically mm-hmm. the left block where you – know, the spot that LaMarcus likes to post from, where Tim Duncan used to like to post from, a lot of the the, the really good post-up players have played from. Carl, I think, Towns, you mentioned earlier. You know, those kind of guys, uh, Joel Embiid. So in the book, Kirk talks about this spot. He calls it Area 31, where historically, when you look at the data, guys that shoot from that left block and, you know, when they post up back to the basket kind of shots, they typically only make 31% of those shots, which is, which is worth 0.62 points per shot. Now, LaMarcus... And the regular season was really good at this shot. He was making 40%, of, 48% of those shots. So 48 sounds like a really good number. But when you actually do the math, it's only worth 0.96 points per shot. So even though when LaMarcus is having those really good games where he's hitting those turnaround float, turnaround jumpers over guys, those shots are still not very good mathematically for the Spurs. And, of course, it haunted him where it came back to, you know, to, 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 to hurt him in the playoffs when he only made 30% of those shots, which is just worth 0.61. So my question to you is, do you think – um, I, I don't I don't know if they'd be able to do this because Coach Pop has even mentioned how Lamarcus just likes to play in the low block. But do you think they should just try to regulate that to Lamarcus say, telling him basically if you have a good matchup in there and you think you get close to the rim in your post ups, well then take it. Or if not, maybe just using him like Draymond, where you kind of facilitate the offense oh, right. for others. What do you think about that? Yeah, man, I don't know because that seems like it's funny because when I saw that, in fact, I was I was um, I looked. At- at, at the book before, not actually in the book, but, uh, you know, like on, on Amazon, we could look inside and I saw that, that graphic and they're showing this, um, um, this sort of, uh, Duncan, uh, trying to guard, uh, Al Jefferson there. And that's like, yeah, that's yeah, like that's LaMarcus's nice. shot. That's like where he likes to be all the time. And I haven't seen him do a ton as far as like, like you said, in that role, like Draymond, I mean, Draymond is just so good at that sort of, I think he's, uh, um, yeah. Uh, underrated a lot is that he makes that offense go a lot of times because he's able to do that. And that seems to me like, that'd be like adding a totally different wrinkle or new wrinkle to his game. Uh, I'm not saying it can't happen, but it, that would just be strange to see because um, it just seems like that's like one of his, his favorite areas on, on the floor and telling him to like, okay, don't shoot from there so much. is kind of, it's kind of a strange thing to do, I think. Yeah. And so, so, so my opinion, like, Obviously, it's, it's not a perfect world situation, but, um, you know, if, I guess if you hear the coaching staff and you can tell these two guys, you know, because we know that, you know, we just know in the summer they're not going to become volume three-point shooters, you know, like Kawhi Leonard, like Kevin Durant, you know, or, or even like Kevin Love, like for, for LaMarcus. So we just know that's not going to happen in two months of, of off for the off season summer. But I think you do want to have that conversation with, this, with those two players if, like, you know, as far as DeMar, like, you know, continue doing your, your, your driving and your kicking out to three-point line. 
try to get more so to the, to the free throw line where he's very efficient, try to get more at the rim where he's a really good um, um, shot taker in that area. And I guess more so if you're telling DeMar kind of just, if you got to take the mid range, that's okay. But try to do it. If it's like in the final 10 seconds, like if that's like the last thing you can do with the shot, you know, I think that's kind of what the message you want for him. And then LaMarcus, Again, it's a tough conversation, but, you know, on any pick and pop, he said, I think you, you want him either rolling or else you want him sh- um, ro- popping out to the three-point line. Because I think LaMarcus can be a decent three-point shooter if he really tries to mold his game that way. And, you know, if he's going to take a, a – you know, basically get rid of the pick and pop mid-range if you're, if, 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 you're, if you're him. And if you give him the ball in the post, try to get him to do it in situations where he's going to be able to get a shot as close to the rim as possible. Because when he takes shots next to the rim, LaMarcus, he's actually really, really good. It's just that those those follow away, you know, mid range jumpers are just not, you know, they're, they're mathematically they're just not good shots. What do you think about those kind of conversations? Maybe they should have with this, this player. I mean, I think that would definitely be interesting because especially if you can get Lamarcus to, because he's got that range, he can. It's, yeah. it's not, you know, his favorite thing to do. But if you can do that, that might open up some lanes for like tomorrow or some of the point guard or like a wider Murray. That might open up some 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 lanes for them to to actually drive, and then, you know, then they can actually, you know pass out if they need to be and it I think it would help with spacing a lot more because what I'm starting what I saw a lot in the playoffs it seems like I mean obviously Lamarcus lives down there and every time DeMar would try to drive and take those literally I mean they would be able to defend that quickly because they're already there defending Lamarcus and whoever else is there. So it, it's kinda like it's just like so clogged and a lot of times you eat up so much clock just trying to find a way to get to the basket or an angle on a shot and so you know, maybe that's something you do just to open open the offense up a little bit more. No, for sure, for sure, that probably would. So, um, you know, those are just some suggestions, or, or as far as like my my thoughts on, you know, looking at the Spurs team because, like like you said, you know, I both you and I both agree on here. Like, you know, they're not going to become volume three point shooters like overnight. This is not going to happen. But they can start to to change their game and their in terms of the shots that they take, maybe a little bit differently. Maybe the coaching staff can talk with them about that. Um, and you know, I, I just feel like that this is like this, this book really, really opened up my eyes in terms of the math. Like now when I've seen mid range jumpers being taken, if they're like, you know, early in the shot clock, I don't think those are good shots unless you're, unless you're a guy who's making like at least over, over 50% of your mid range shots. If you're making over 50%, well, then that's good. You're making over one point per shot, but if you're not making anything above 50%, it's not a good shot mathematically, uh, unless, unless it's in the final part of a shot clock. All right, Mike. So um, that wraps up SpursCast episode 545. Thank you for, um, you know, coming on and joining me as a guest. Uh, SpursCast listeners, you know, obviously you all know it's been the offseason, so we haven't put that many episodes out. Uh, we're going to continue to probably stay, you know, every other week until the draft gets here in free agency. That will be a little bit more frequent or in the event that some some real, um, you know, big news breaks with the Spurs. Um, so for Michael DeLeon, I'm Paul Garcia. Thank you. Have a great day. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.